This episode of the Children's Literature Podcast is brought to you by Bedtime Stories. Bedtime Stories. The only thing in the universe that's measured in terms of needing just one more. Welcome to the Children's Literature Podcast. I'm your host, TQ Townsend. This is a review of Episode 6 of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. If you haven't read the Percy Jackson books or seen the new TV series based on them, this is your spoiler warning. Go read the books, then watch the show, then come on back. Episode 6 of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, We Take a Zebra to Vegas, adapts most of Chapter 16 and the first half of Chapter 17 of The Lightning Thief by Rick Reardon. It also works in the first part of Chapter 15, which had been skipped over in the previous episode. The show opens with Percy having a creepy dream in which his old principal is telling him off. We've all been there, Percy. The show then zips backwards to a portion from Chapter 15, where the kids use a rainbow to communicate with Camp Half-Blood. They try to reach Chiron, but speak with Luke instead. This is in the book. Luke, Annabeth, and Percy all blame Clarice for stealing the lightning bolt, even though there's no evidence at all for this. This is not in the book. Percy goes so far as to say, Chiron's got to arrest her. Find out what she knows. Don't ask me how I know. You just got to trust me. This doesn't reflect well on Percy. They don't arrest kids at summer camp. Also, you should never, ever, ever expect someone to be arrested and say, Don't ask me how I know, you just gotta trust me. You need evidence, kiddo. This is why 12-year-olds aren't allowed to be cops. The kids arrive in Vegas, where they go to seek out the god Hermes at the Lotus Casino. This was the first moment for me when watching this series that I had a strong, completely negative reaction to a choice made by the filmmakers. In The Lightning Thief, the kids end up in Vegas because that's as far as they manage to get with no money and their luck wearing thin. They stumble into the Lotus Casino rather than seeking it out, and only figure out how to escape after nearly falling completely into its trap. On the show, the kids somehow knew they needed to go to the Lotus Casino, despite the fact that it's never mentioned before. They also somehow know the god Hermes will be there, and they somehow know how the casino works. There's an awful bit of dialogue where they explain that this is just like the Lotus Eaters in the Odyssey and the casino will make them forget everything about their real lives and goals. I didn't like any of this. The story worked so much better when the kids were overwhelmed, exhausted, and completely unaware of the fact that the safe haven they stumbled into was actually a dangerous trap. Also, Hermes isn't in the book because he doesn't need to be in the book. In my last review, I complained that bad adaptations of children's books usually cram in grown-up themes and even extra grown-up characters that just don't belong there. Hermes has no part to play in the plot or the development of the main characters. The only function he fills in The Lightning Thief is that he's the absentee father of Luke, as in not there. This is a huge part of Luke's motivation. Messing with that disrupts a very central part of the story. These are changes I have to disapprove of, as they betray the literary source as well as weaken the TV show's own internal logic. The most offensive thing happens when Hermes gripes, time and space are easy, kids. Parenting is something else entirely. Except, 
Sorry, Hermes, you're not a parent. You've never been there for your kid. You didn't help raise him, and you're nothing more than a genetic donor. I don't believe that an all-powerful God is so sad that he couldn't play any role in his kid's life just because the script said so. It doesn't work, and it doesn't belong in the story. So why are they doing all this? As I mentioned before, grown-up filmmakers just can't resist making stories all about them. This show is cramming in extra adult characters while removing children from the story, and it's a change that won't work well. And I loved the Moana soundtrack, but Lin-Manuel Miranda's strengths are in songwriting, not acting. Even if he did have the charisma to make Hermes an interesting character, he still isn't necessary to the plot. Percy, Annabeth, and Grover could have caught a cab as written in the book, or stolen Hermes' car as depicted in the show, without the messenger god needing to appear in the episode. In The Lightning Thief, Chapter 16 reads like a mini-episode of The Twilight Zone. It's great. The kids aren't in Vegas on purpose. It's just where they've ended up as they try to make their way to Los Angeles. They're completely blindsided by the generosity of the Lotus Casino. And at first, it's amazing. The kids get to shower after a grimy week on the road, and they have everything they could want for free. Clothes, a hotel room, and unlimited food and games. But Percy slowly realizes that this place is a trap. He has several interactions with children. Children, not adults, mind you who think they've only been there for days, and have lost interest in the outside world which they left decades ago. Another totally pointless adult character that's crammed into the story is a grown-up satyr Augustus who leads Grover astray. He serves no function to the core plot, has no impact on the story, and honestly, the actor does a pretty middling job selling the role. Augustus had no reason to be in this story, and the time wasted on his character would have been better spent on the children who had been tragically trapped by the magic of the Lotus Casino. Another big change from the book is that the power of the lotus flowers is pumped into the air in the casino, rather than having to be eaten directly. This isn't a minor change. In The Lightning Thief, the kids accept the free food they're offered from strangers. They choose to eat it. In the TV show, they don't make a choice as nobody thinks about whether or not the air they're breathing in a building that's open to the public is drugged. In the novel, the kids just catch a cab from Vegas to L.A., using money from the casino to pay their way. This is actually one of the more realistic moments in the book. Reardon writes that the cabbie rarely does less than 95 miles an hour on the trip from Vegas to L.A. I'll admit I was once on such a road trip, and that is possible. Most of the way is through flat desert, although, boy, will your fuel efficiency take a big hit going up the mountain pass known as the Grapevine. The proof of divine intervention on this journey is that nobody from the California Highway Patrol nailed him with a radar gun. In the TV show, the kids steal Hermes' taxicab. At first, Annabeth thinks she's pulled a fast one on the messenger god, but then she realizes she isn't as slick as she thought she was. Hermes leaves a note on the windshield addressed, To the Dumb Kids. I did like this moment because it was very funny but it just underscored how unnecessary it was to waste screen time on a conversation with Hermes. The most memorable thing the messenger god did in this episode was leave a note for them. And that didn't require an actor, just somebody in the prop department with decent handwriting. As much as I dislike the changes to this chapter, it was very funny watching Percy attempt to drive a car. It gave me flashbacks to when I got behind the wheel for the first time. 
In the original novel, the trio of friends arrive at the beach in Santa Monica when it's nearly sunset. Since this is Midsummer Day, that would mean they were driving through downtown and along the 10 freeway after 8 p.m. That would make traffic conditions acceptable. If this quest had required them to drive through that stretch of road during rush hour, I would have said it wasn't worth it, even if it meant the world would literally end. In the show, the kids zap instantly from Vegas to Santa Monica in the magic taxi, but it's already after dark. No doubt this saved a ton of money on the special effects budget, as it's pretty easy to put actors in front of a green screen and then be like, make it black. But even this falls short, as Santa Monica is well lit due to the numerous skyscrapers and the amusement park on the pier. It also seems that, unlike in the book, the kids have missed the deadline. Midsummer is over. A totally computer-generated sea nymph shows up, which is odd because it would have been easier and cheaper just to use a real woman. The nymph tells Percy that his dad loves him, but not enough to show up himself, and she tells him to quit his quest and go back to camp. Happily, Percy rejects this. In the novel, the nymph gives Percy three pearls which have the power to get the children out of the underworld. This leads to a critical plot and character point where Percy is forced to leave his mother behind because there isn't a pearl for her. However, in the show, Percy's given four pearls, meaning the writers have decided that Percy shouldn't have to make such an agonizing character-building sacrifice. And I'm not excited about that. So, as Percy Jackson and the Olympians has gone on, it's drifted farther from the book adding a lot of subplots, backstories, unnecessary grown-ups, and flat-out changes. Lots of the changes aren't bad. Plenty have added to the story in a logical way, or are good examples of abridgment. But increasingly, and especially in this episode, the changes have resulted in substantial character and plot differences from what's written in The Lightning Thief. I really have been enjoying this TV show, but I have to say that Episode 6, We Take a Zebra to Vegas, is my least favorite so far. I rate on-screen adaptations based on how faithful they are to the original children's books, and I have to give this episode only two out of five Snapes for its substantial alterations from The Lightning Thief. Also, I have to say that this was the first episode that I didn't really enjoy. However, the previous five episodes were strong, and there's still two to go, so I'm willing to remain optimistic. What did you think of this episode? Have you been watching with your kids? Let me know what you thought and how you think the show will conclude. You've been listening to the Children's Literature Podcast. Please subscribe and give the show a rating. Send comments to letters at childrensliteraturepodcast.com. I'm your host, T.Q. Townsend. Thanks for listening.